0: Hello and welcome to the Flat Chat Sim Racing Podcast, brought to you by Virtual Racing School in conjunction with SimSpeed Entertainment. On today's show, we have Johnny Brandon and Tony Kloosterman from the European V8 Supercar League. Also joining me is special co-host, the one and only Mr. Jamie McKnight. This is V8 Scabs. The Flat Chat Podcast, V8 Skype Edition.
1: The Flash Chat Podcast V8 Skype Edition. 2019.
0: So, as we head into the last couple of weeks, build up to the 2019 SCOP season, we thought it would be quite fitting to have some special guests on this show for this week. Now, before I go on, I'd just really like to send out some appreciation to all of you guys, our listeners, for really getting behind this show. Especially last couple of weeks, uh, say last week, with American Marcus Ambrose driver training video creator Kevin O'Keefe and that fantastic show that he had. And everyone did go and check out his stuff and the Marcus Ambrose 12-hour stream. It was really nice to see that we got some international uh, flavor on the show. And also, week prior to that, Scott's title sponsor holder and all-round top bloke, Jamie McKnight, when he joined us for a chat, we received really good feedback for that show. And it's no... uh, secret that everyone wanted to know, the man behind the name. So it's really nice to have Jamie on the show again as co-host. i uh, You can see he didn't leave from last time. So, Jamie, thanks so much for helping host out uh, this show today. Absolute pleasure. Glad to be here. Mate, uh, Chris can't make it. He's off uh, gallivanting around the world doing whatever he's doing. I think he's working actually.
1: I think he might be a bit worried that you and I do too well on this show, mate. That might be the problem, so... I'll try and uh, yeah, think- I'll try and keep the skill level as low as I can. Don't want to make him feel bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's going to be very hard, Jamie. No, thank you. Thank you for joining. I'll work on um, it. Well, the reason is, uh, guys, that we're here and Jamie that you've joined, join me on the show. Is uh, we're recording this at, at uh, you know early hours of the morning, I guess, because we are joined tonight by a, some, a couple of really special guests um, joining the podcast. I, I we have former Euro iRacing V8 supercar champion, Tony Klusterman, who is also the brains behind the entire European V8 movement and also current reigning Euro champ, Johnny Brandon. Gents, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's an honour to have you here.
2: Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: first things first, Tony, as uh, well as being a really handy driver in uh, with an I rating of over 5,000, uh, you're a Canadian sim racer, who, in, who runs a European – or is part of a European racing series which features an Australian V8 supercar. So can we refer to you as the international triple threat, mate? Uh, I think that's a great description. <laughs> that may
1: be appropriate. That is a great description.
0: I mean, yeah, the the, the triangle uh, of the iRacing V8 supercar community. But the question is, mate, how did, how did this all start and how do you find yourself in a position as a highly competitive driver in the series as well as uh, – you know, somewhat the um one of the brains behind it, even uh, have even organising uh, something like sponsorship with with Jamie as well. How do you how did this all come about, mate?
3: So I started uh, with iRacing approximately six years ago, and uh, I did that because uh, I missed the competitiveness of autosport. I had been involved with autosport for a significant length of time, uh, from the time I was uh, twelve years old, actually. And I started sim racing when I was 58. So Stop it. Um, <laughs> that, so um, this sort of filled the void. I, I missed it. I missed the competitiveness. And um, I had heard a lot about racing. I was curious. And so I, I joined up and did the Mazdas as everybody does, got frustrated like everybody does. And then I started searching out what would be uh, the most challenging car. And initially uh, I raced the Cadillac for about a year and a half. Um, Difficult enough, but then someone told me that the Aussie V8s were even more challenging. So uh, I took that up, uh, made a bit of a fool of myself for about two years in the car trying to learn. And uh, then one day something sort of clicked and You know, we're uh, where we are today. I'm reasonably competitive, I'd say, uh, but...
1: uh, He's very proficient in the car, JC. Very, very... One of the uh, most respected V8 drivers on the grid, including the Australian drivers. So Tony's uh, being a bit humble there.
0: Well, look, you were saying before, uh, Tony, when we were talking, and, and Jamie, you let me know about a bit of a backstory too, that, mate, you, you have a few of our Aussie uh, guys go over and do the, the V8 series in, in the Europe series that you're part of, such as uh, Marlon McBullen, uh, Jake Burton, Michael Talianchik, Mick Cracknell, to name a few, and Jamie, of course, too. And you were saying that you keep up with those guys, uh, you know, maybe only just at, at, right on, on the back of their tail there, but that is no Oh, I'm always uh, behind them. Feat. Yeah, I'm certainly behind them. (laughs) They're very good. Don't worry about that. Because we got this um, kind of, like I was saying before, uh, Tony, but when we were having a chat before, we we did do the podcast here. We have a bit of a bubble in Australia and uh, most of our listeners of the podcast are going to be from the Australian New Zealand iRacing community and we are in a bit of a bubble. Uh, The V8 supercar as a series in the real world is – uh, akin to say, let's say ice hockey, maybe in uh, Canada or uh, NASCAR in um, America in the southern states of America, but we are so super serious about the supercar, and it translates over to iRacing. racing. I'm wondering, how does that work for someone like yourself in the in North America or in Canada and
3: over in Europe? How did you guys get into the supercar specifically? So for myself, it was the closest thing that resembled uh, Trans Am racing or, or touring car racing, uh, close quarters racing, very competitive, and um, I, I think that's what what drew me to it more than anything else. The um, you know unfortunately not a huge following in North America, and uh, I think that was maybe because the car was so difficult to drive, and a lot of people on iRacing just assume that they can get in the pedal and and off they go and win races and it just doesn't quite work that way with this car
1: tony i remember i remember back sorry to interrupt i remember back when i uh, started uh, a couple of years ago coming across you on the track and i was really frustrated and uh having a lot of trouble just getting the car around the track and i remember you gave me that advice you said to me jamie it took me a couple of years to get this car sorted and the reason people give up on it is be- it's because it's so hard and so challenging but when you do find that pace, and when you do find that balance, it's the most rewarding car to drive on the grid, so just keep at it. Do you remember that uh, little conversation we had?
3: I, I think that was at Bathurst, Jamie. Uh, we were talking. Yeah, it was, and I was having a lot of trouble, <laughs> but you told me to stick with it. Yeah, and, and I think one of the, the frustrating things for a lot of people there are just starting with the V8, and, and maybe in particular for uh, North Americans and for Europeans, is I'm not quite sure how to say this without offending anybody, but uh, the trade secrets are very secret. And uh, there isn't a lot of sharing of information that can help people get on the right track. And uh, I think that if there were more of that, it would uh, help to increase the popularity in both North America and Europe.
0: I would agree with that completely. But, you know, that that progression seems to happen very very quickly after a long amount of time. I've noticed that most drivers take around a year and a half to two years and then all of a sudden something just clicks in.
3: I'd have to agree with that. But, you know, uh, I'll uh, point jo- uh, Johnny Brandon out here. Uh, not a year and a half for him. He got in the car and he got quick pretty fast. So the uh, same goes for his teammate, uh, Nicole Foggy, very quick uh, right off the... Uh, Uh, right off the bat. uh, And uh, my teammate, Chris Jackson, same thing. I I think some people just naturally have um, an ability to adapt very quickly.
0: Well, speaking uh, about Johnny, welcome to the show, mate. And um, you are the reigning Euro V8 champion. And As I was saying, Jamie's been kind enough to provide me with some background info. He tells me that you used to be a pro-kart racer in your younger years and won a few championships. And as well as being really fast in the iRacing GT3 and and the Kia, um, you just can't get enough of the V8 supercar nowadays. And you're actually looking to make an entrance into Scops this season uh, as part of or driving in combination with Evolution Racing Team. The supercar, mate. Why, Why the supercar? And now
2: for 2019, why Scops? Uh, firstly, the supercar—it's um, all about feel for me. Uh, compared to all the other cars in I racing, I just think, think there's—it feels right. You know, it's 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 hard to explain. Um, I just get a lot of feel from the car, and I can drive the car more on the throttle as opposed to on the front end of the car, which ninety—you know, GTS, GTEs—it's it's all steam into the corner. It's all on the on the front end of the car. Um, I think you've got to be a lot more careful and really drive the rear end of the car. Um, and I just think that it suits me a lot more than most other cars. And it's just, it's much more enjoyable for me. That's the main reason. Definitely a lot of the
0: real world drivers tend to be good in the supercar uh, pretty quickly. Maybe it is that feel thing that you have to have. The level of detail and precision you need for the supercar is really unlike any other car on the service. Granted, on the highest level, let's say the F1 series uh, or the GT3 series, on the highest level you do come down to those millimetres. But in general, if you're not precise in the v 8 V8, you're going nowhere and it's guys like you that have that ex-driver history and that type of uh, real-world understanding that tend to to gravitate to being pretty fast in a V8. But yeah, you're you're right about the, the feel in, into the corner.
2: Yeah, I, I appreciate that comment. I think I think I'm not as precise as I could be if I just butt in there a little bit. He's never happy, um, Josie, um, he's never happy. Yeah, I'm a little bit more reckless than I'd like to be, but that's that's oh. part of the fun of the car for me. <laughs> You know, he's actually looking very well, mate. You're going to fit in the scops
0: like a gem. Oh,
1: he's done a couple <laughs> of races last year in the enduro, so we know how good he is in scops. He's going to fit right in. I, I actually made a prediction earlier, didn't I, JC, about where they'd be.
0: Jamie, you were saying at least top 15, if not top 10, in the running. Yep, that's where I think they'll be mate, at the end this of this season. I'm I'm really looking forward to to see what you guys can do in the. Oh, series. No pressure there. Then
2: I'll be I'll be happy to get in it at the start. I'd say yeah. I did I did oh. a, as Jamie says. I've done a I've done a couple of races, the enduros, and the uh, the standard in there is ridiculous and it's brilliant. You know that's why we're here. That's what drew you in. Is not it? That's what drew you in, yeah, Johnny. Exactly, exactly. And it, it doesn't matter whether you're whether you're fifth or whether you're twenty fifth. You're going to have a car attempt behind you, a car attempt in front. Of it's gonna, it's just fantastic, and uh, you know, it's all about the racing for me and the intensity. And they were the, some of the most intense races I've been involved with. So, I can't wait. It's going to be a, quite early in the morning for me in uh, in London here, but it's going to be well worth it, I think. So, looking forward. Johnny, to
1: Johnny, um, in some of our chats um, previous to us becoming good friends, we, we both talked about our real racing experience. Mine with the bikes, and you with the cars. So, we both had a, a common answer to the question JC just said is that you and I are the type of drivers who just love to race like it's not actually any fun for us if we're five ten seconds in front or behind we like to be in a pack you know going toe to toe we get that buzz from that um, on track action and I know when you joined us for Scops last year you really enjoyed the fact like you said that there was five cars in a train wherever you looked you had someone trying to throw it up the inside you were trying to throw it up the inside and I think that for the series that I've done and I haven't done international series like you and Tony but yeah, Scops gives you the sort of buzz I used to get on track in real life. It's that it's that intense, and uh, and I really think that that's why you'll thrive, uh, and Nicole, in the
2: series this year, because you'll have a battle. Yeah, 100% agree with the reasons for it. It's it's all about the racing for me. I mean, I do really enjoy just driving this car. This is probably the only car when I race in that I'll gladly do two hours trying to work out what on earth the setup of the car is doing and what effect it's having. Not with a lot of success, I might add, but. You know, it's an enjoyable thing to do. Whereas in other cars, I don't enjoy that. But it is all about the racing for me. That's why I. That's what I loved about my real life racing, or in the go karts, and uh, that's what I love in this. That's that's what it replicates for me. It's that you know that feeling. of one mistake, the person behind is going to get you applying a bit of pressure, and he might hopefully make a mistake. You know, it's it's got to be clean for me though. I'm all about the clean. You know, it's not this. But I'd much rather have a great race and be twentieth and disappear in the lead of whatever championship I mean and you know not be anywhere near anybody it's all about the racing
3: Actually, uh, Johnny and I had a discussion for about an hour uh, after last weekend's races about that. And, it, you know, it, you're right, Jamie. I think that we do want to give uh, each other the space to race and race hard. And, uh, you know, we expect uh, expect the other guy to make a dive every once in a while. That's, uh, you know, sometimes that's the only way that you can get a. a get uh, the position, right? But uh, I want to go back to something that Johnny said. You know, he said he's not very good at setting up the cars. Well, God help us if he ever figures it out. That's exactly what I said to him.
1: <laughs> he's only got about three or four sets to uses. <laughs> well, up until recently.
0: setups are, are definitely a big thing for the Scop series, uh, especially for race sets. I know that um, it is a driver's car, like you mentioned, Johnny. That is the key to this car, that you have to know the secrets of how to get the best out of especially the trail braking and the, the mid-corner speed. I mean, it, actually it, every part of a corner is is there's a secret to the supercar, but uh, mainly that mid-corner. And a lot of the setup work done is for race setup, I, I guess, to, to make sure that you can hold. Like I was saying before, um, uh, Tony, when we were talking about holding onto the back of drivers like Jake Burton and uh, Mick Cracknell, etc., cetera, um, you can stay with them for – the first few laps while the tyres are fresh, but then you notice that the guys who are really at the top of their game, they can keep up a particular pace and consistent lap times for a long, long time while you notice yourself, like, you're like, where are the tyres going for these guys? They're still, you know, they're still fresh.
1: Johnny's very good with the tyres, isn't he, Tony? Absolutely. Yeah, Johnny can make them last. Yeah, whereas Tony and I tend to go hard for a few laps and then we sort of, we both sort of drop off a little and then Tony seems to be able to find a bit more pace after the tyres cool off, whereas... Um, I keep going backwards, but Johnny is very, very good at keeping
2: the tyres cool. And, See, and this consistent. is a strange topic for me because um, I'm going to butt in on this bit. The um, I've been privileged to a few Evolution setups. They've been very helpful to me, Jamie, Brenton, you know, great <laughs> bunch of guys. They, they've helped me out a lot. Um, and I've had some setups from various other people in the Euro Series. And obviously, I'm, oh, I'll have a look on VRS and grab a, grab a setup from wherever I can to try and get a head start. And without fail, I cannot run the tyre pressures on any of those setups and keep them consistent. So I'm not going to say what I do at the moment, but I'm I'm nowhere near. And if I run those setups, those tyre pressures alone, um, I seem to lose all feel in the car. It just makes it feel like it's on ice. You know, when I'm trying different setups back to back, I tend to find that I have... You know, there's obvious setups that won't work at certain tracks and ones that will work at certain tracks. It tends to be a front-end setup or, or an understeery setup. Um, if one fairly uh, is fairly reasonable, I tend to be within two temps with whatever setup I try. So it is literally just the one that I feel most comfortable on. Um, I mean, we just did a race at Secuba, and I literally plucked some dampers out of thin air because the numbers all matched literally that was the logic and tried it and it felt good and that's what i run with and it stayed consistent so yeah i've got a lot to learn with the setups and even when i'm take your time Johnny. some amazing setups from evolution and and from various other people i can't get on with them it's not a guarantee it's it's but you, you do change
1: them a little bit for yourself and then they come good for you don't they
2: yeah exactly it's definitely a head start i
3: agree exactly you know um We'll work on setups during the week, and we'll end up with three different ones, and, and three drivers will each drive a different setup at the end of the week. It's uh, it's crazy, and I believe that it is a lot of personal preference, you know, whether you're left foot braking, right foot braking, that Use sort of clutch, thing. Yeah. It, it does make a big,
2: yeah, it well, makes a big difference. We both left foot brake. We normally, we like it, you know, in, in the GT3s and stuff, we have the same setups. Uh, but in this, you know, he'll make a change and go out in the practice and say, "Oh, that's definitely better." I'll do the same change and think it's definitely worse.
0: This is a really um a good topic to get into. It'd be great to do another podcast on setups. It is, you know, it is um it is interesting that speaking with you guys over in the V8 uh, supercar community and finding out what you guys are. Uh, into and, and talking about setups, like, like you were saying, guys, before, the setup and, and the secrets of the V8 uh, car and how to get the speed out of it does seem to be this kind of black art, black magic thing that no one really wants to, to let out any of the secrets. Because for an example, th- there have been a numerous amount of times where I've been in a chat on Discord or in a session with someone from another team or even a teammate and just out of nowhere, I just hear some bit of information. You're like, oh, how did you go through that corner? I hear someone else say, oh, I just did this. And a light bulb goes off and I think, what? How? What are you doing? How come I didn't know that? Yeah, and it how just come I didn't like notice. it's common knowledge. We all do that. We all do that, Josie. Don't worry. Yeah, right. I, I, well, I'm not alone. That's good. Uh, the reason why I point that out is I'm wondering how much um, competition there is over with you guys. Johnny, you obviously seem to be very, very fast in the car. Um, is something like spreading this particular information out there and and having a bit of a dialogue with how to go fast in the car something you're interested in or do you want to hold the secrets a bit closer to your chest and, and make sure you keep your keep your, your pace in the series and how much of this stuff is talked about over there is it as secretive as we kind of tend to keep it over here in the australian community or is it
2: like a, a bit open uh over there where you guys are racing well we in the euro series i think i think we're all quite friendly and i honestly don't think i haven't got any secrets you know, I'll, I'll help anybody. It's just out.
1: good.
2: <laughs> I think no, I'm not saying it for that. You know, I no, you I not. honestly you're think that the car is one of those cars that if you just stick with it and drive it, I think it's just too hard for a lot of people. I, I have no idea why people don't drive it more and why there's not more participation um, in Europe. Uh, I don't know what the participation is like in America, uh, but in Europe it's dire, and I've I have no idea why. I think I think people like the easy cars um either high grip cars um whether it's a lack of time that they've got to get on the sim what it is i don't know uh, but i race, you know i raced radical i race the f3 at the moment i was doing a bit of gte but i'm not sure i'm going to continue with that um, <laughs> but the, it doesn't take that much time it's just it's just being patient in the car i think and just a driving style but like i said before for me it's it's my by far my favourite experience of driving anything on iRacing and quite why it's not more popular I don't know um, all this talk about secrets and it might help people come in I'd, I think if you don't enjoy driving the car then you're not going to get very far you know I, whatever anybody tells you for me it's um, yeah
1: one of the first secrets I, I got off actually Tony in a session JC was uh, that I needed to add about 50 metres to my braking because we all think we need to brake late to go fast in the V8, and it's actually the opposite. And Tony was watching me. and He said, "Mate, just uh, just bring your braking market back about 20 to 50 meters, and just try and try." Yeah, that 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 is one of the things that I just didn't get my head around. Yeah, that, that, that secret that Tony gave me that day helped blipping me immensely. And um, yep, blipping on the downshift, you know, just, yes. Trail braking, those sort of yeah, things yeah. in general. I think we should talk about more.
0: The blipping is one of the biggest things that I've only just got onto as well. And take the, the the, it the, there is a correct way. Yeah, auto blip off and make sure you have to to time it like very precisely to make sure that the rear end doesn't wiggle. Um, A lot of guys, and this is a secret, you know, out there, that that they might even keep the throttle on and not actually lift through the braking zone. That's one way. There's other ways of even people braking all the way. That's a bad habit
2: I've got from... from real life, yeah, is maybe put like throttle. Yeah. throttle. Yeah, quite a lot, and yeah, maybe that well, helps me. in This it actually car. helps
0: stabilize the car. It does. I think it does. It does Lights help front. with that uh, diff with the with the type of diff that the V8 has. It does actually uh, work. Diff, but yeah. Um, yeah, Brady Myers, who uh, drives for TTL and is a really uh, big threat to the Scop season this yeah, year. Um, yeah, he's a fantastic driver. Um, sometimes. Um, We noticed because I used to be a teammate with Brady and his braking technique on some of the big braking zones, he'd uh, just absolutely hammer the brake on in sixth gear and he wouldn't shift down until the end of the braking zone into into bloody fear yeah, or something. There,
1: break, 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 and then bang, 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 bang with the gears.
0: Yeah, bang, bang, yeah. bang, bang. bang, bang. <laughs> I mean, you can do that. That is that is a possibility. Yeah, you can have Lots and
2: of different styles in this I've car. i noticed that a couple of times. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure who does it, but I've I, I tried it. I can't it, do it, Johnny. No. <laughs> I've not tried it, but I've, I've seen. Oh, I need it.
1: the engine braking, but these guys do it. Yeah, Marlins the same.
3: One of the things I'd like to say about the the Euro series is that we're into our third year now. Uh, Clyde Whiting invited me three years ago to to the series and we had 15, 20 drivers. Uh, Built up a little bit from that. Uh, I think we are averaging about 30 or 35 drivers uh, for this season. Um, But people give up on the car too easily. And uh, I think part of that is that uh, you have to be willing to put in some practice. And we put out uh, league practice sessions uh, once a week for four hours or so, maybe have five guys show up. And uh, if you're not willing to put in the, the time, um, people get disillusioned with the car, I think, and uh, and go away. But what I've noticed over the last couple of years is that we are getting some competitive drivers, and Johnny and his teammate uh, are two great examples we now we're getting some of the uh, the Australians coming over Brendan O'Brien's been racing with us Jamie uh, Michael Talianich was over Jake Burton last week uh, participated crackers uh, has participated with us and uh, we're starting to find some speed we're fine and I think what we're finding in our series is that groups of drivers are finding competitive people to drive with them at their level so you'll have the top seven eight nine drivers then you'll have another seven or eight drivers in mid-pack and then you'll have some you know near near the back but the people that put in the time are the people that end up jumping a pack the next season and isn't it great to see somebody that comes from
1: that mid-pack tiny and then is all of a sudden in that front pack with us you know what i mean um we've seen that quite a few times um with a couple of the uk guys from last year to this year they've really picked up their pace uh, Greg Carr comes to mind as well um you know they've they started down in that middle backpack but they all of a sudden they stick with it and they they drive with us on track and i think one of the keys in this car is to get out and race it and race amongst people who are fast because it's a bit scary at first but they actually drag you along with them you know as you get better uh, and i think that this the euro series has done a great job developing developing a few of the um european and american Talents, because uh, I've yeah. seen it in my those time agree with you. With that, Jamie. Yeah, I've seen it in my year with you. So, I think that's fantastic. Oh, I agree
2: with that as well. Yeah. And it's you know you can see the improvement with it from the people that stick with it. But it's hundred percent agree with Tony. It's about practice, and I think that's that's a, probably a big issue for the uh, participation in it because I do I do some. probably three different leagues, and for each of those, I probably do half hour, an hour's practice each of them cars you don't really need it one of them's a fixed setup radical you know it's half an hour you're pretty much there get the track there's, there's in a, there's yep. a lot of grip you know um the other one the formula 3 if you get a decent vrs set make a minor yep. adjustment you're pretty much there flip is pretty good you can't do that in the v8 nope. and expect to be quick especially not against people like tony um uh, you know jake burton i mean you've got to put the time in it's, it's so much harder. But I think that in Europe especially, you know, the culture of it is people will race a Mazda on a Monday. They'll jump on for two hours and race a Porsche GTE on a, on a Tuesday. They'll jump on and race a Radical Fix set up on a Thursday. You see the same people in all these leagues. And I think they think they can treat the V8 the same way. And when they don't have the same sort of success, whether they haven't got the time or they haven't got the commitment, I don't know one or the other but that's that. I think that answers it people prefer what's easier that they can jump on quick but like Some I think for me way, I get more yeah. enjoyment out of the, driving the V8 than any of the other cars and I put a lot more time into it a lot more time well, I think to. that's the same for
1: all of us in this uh, room at the moment you know we all enjoy it and we all put in the, the time
0: I in my, in my particular driving and I've heard this from a lot of people um, that if you're going to try to give a good shot at the V8, it's really good idea not to drive too many of the other yeah, cars because they are easier, I guess easier than the V8. And um, it's a particular type of focus level and a particular type of maturity um, and this is not an age thing. I just mean maturity in the way that you have to hold back and not be oh, too okay. aggressive.
2: It's a completely different driving technique to pretty much any other car. But you handle the
1: switches pretty well, Johnny, but I think most people, like I struggle, I do the F3 as well like Johnny does. Oh, I um, struggle,
2: mate. If I jump in the bag for
1: practice directly after the F3 because normally we've got ASC on the next night, I'm hopeless for about 20 minutes just trying to get the feel back. And I think normal drivers like me with normal talent or below average talent uh, that have to work hard for it, it definitely is a bit of a, a gamble if you drive a lot of cars. If you're trying to get faster than the V8, you really need to... Stop like I did when I was a PSS, Danny Trim said just drive the V8 this season. I don't want you to drive anything else, you know. And that's when I got better because I got the feel. Um, and I think that uh, people like Johnny who are pretty natural in everything, uh, I think that advice is good for you, Johnny. But for people like me, um, it's certainly it's it's hard to switch cars. And I don't know how it is for you, Tony, but it it it, it, uh, it can slow me down if I try too
3: much. Yeah, I, I tried a couple of seasons driving two or three different cars and. Uh, I found that it really hurt me uh, when uh, in my V8 progression and when I uh, concentrated solely on the V8. It made a big difference. And, and when I say put in time, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, our first race was at uh, Montreal a few weeks back. I put in 440 laps of practice. He's a machine. <laughs> mm. Wow. And he's always like that, Tony. No. You can do that when you're retired. Yeah, you're a lucky man.
1: I hear your wife's retired too now.
3: She retired last night. Congratulations. Congratulations. first day of retirement.
1: Congratulations. <laughs> and you're on that. here with us. You're
2: in trouble. <laughs> if I put in 40 laps of practice, I'd probably get a forced retirement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I'd be neutered, for sure. Um, we oh, yeah. negotiate my time on the it's, it's It's an ongoing thing. <laughs> but um, can I ask you, um, can I just, JC, interrupt and just ask, Tony, I'm really interested to know, Tony, about your professional racing career. I, I obviously am a friend of yours on Facebook, and I have sort of stalked you a little bit. And I've always been keen to, to know, you know, what, what what did you do and, and um, how did you sustain such a long career?
3: Well, uh, you obviously, you were good. It, was- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that's a lie. Um, I started uh, in motorsports, actually, when I was 12 years old. My, uh, my father... Got involved in car railing, navigational railing, uh, when I was 10. And uh, I wanted to do this. I, I saw what uh, what he was doing, and, and I said, I want to be your navigator. And he lied to me, uh, and I forgive him for that now. But uh, he said, oh, you're not allowed to do it until you're 12. That's the law. And as a 10-year-old, I believed that. Uh, but he would bring home his uh, navigational instructions for me, and he said, I want you to do all the timing and figure out all the instructions and then give it back to me, and I'm going to mark you. And when you're 12, you can go out with me. So um, Sounds like a smart guy. At the <laughs> He was a pretty smart guy. So I learned how to use a slide rule at the age of 10 because we didn't have calculators back in 1965. And uh, I learned how to do that. When I was 12, I marched up to him and I said, well, I'm 12 now, it's time to do a rally. And uh, he picked a, a club event that had about 85 entries in it and we finished first overall. Well done. And <laughs> and that was, uh, that was the start of my rally career. I did navigational rallies until I was uh, 15, started co-driving special stage events uh, at that time. Did that for about three years, and when I was 19, uh, I decided I wanted to be on the other side of the car, controlling the wheel, because I'll tell you, the co-drivers in stage rallies are... They have very brave people. They, they are certified, for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I did some stage rallying. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to win a uh, regional championship event uh, here in our province of Ontario, and competed in some uh, national championship events, Uh, and then I gave up motorsports a few years later to uh, concentrate on raising a family. Uh, So I quit when I was uh, 23 or 24 and uh, didn't uh, drive competitively again until 2001 uh, when I bought a Subaru uh, STI, uh, one of the first ones in Canada, and I took up uh, auto slalom and solo uh, events, uh, became Canadian champion in 2004, uh, doing that. Wow. And wow. Uh, after that, I decided I want to do something unique with my son, and that was do a Targa event. So you've got Targa Tasmania. Tasmania. Yeah, my business partner. I've yep. done that a we, few times. Yeah, we have an event called uh, Targa Newfoundland, which is on the island of Newfoundland in Canada. Yep. And. Um, And I did that event three times, uh, 2005, 6, 7, with my son as a co-driver. That would have been awesome. Uh, It was. Other than the very first day on the very first stage, I crashed the car very badly. Uh, My son broke his arm. Um, We finished the event. uh, And after a week-long event, uh, we were voted to uh, to win the Spirit of Targa uh, Award for the Most Perseverance. Uh, We rebuilt the car and came back in 2006 and 2007. And in 2007, we finished second in the unlimited class. Uh, And after a week of uh, stages, uh, 50 stages in total, we were uh, 40 seconds behind the, 40, uh, the Subaru factory team. So we were very pleased with that. <laughs> now I know why I say so good. <laughs> rally
2: drivers are a whole different breed, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> yes. through the trees, <laughs> circuits are one thing, yes. but <laughs> <laughs> the risk level changes yes. dramatically for rallying. That's, that's, that's I, I, I'll <laughs> tell you
1: something, JC. Um, Johnny, I invited Johnny last week to join me in Magello in July for a, a track day that I said I would shout, the bike, the V4 and the, and the leathers and the, and the bike high for the day. And uh, all he has to do is get himself to Italy and he said, uh, listen, mate, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just not that, that way inclined. Uh, if you want to go and, you know, break your your neck or your spine in a few places, you go do it on your own. He said, I'd love to meet up with you, but I'm not doing it. And uh, a lot of people, including my mother, do I still meet you. you no, know, I, I want you to. I'll, I'll show <laughs> you around the track. But, um, but, you know, I've always loved that adrenaline that... With the bikes, for me in real life, that was the it was the, the danger that I respected and loved so much. That adrenaline when you mastered the slide on the bike and how to brake. But one thing I've always thought was a step above motorcycle racing at any level. Uh, you know, any sort of track racing is world rally drivers, local rally drivers, anybody who drives at 180 past trees with you know uh, fans standing on the track to give you a wave and a high five as you go past. Um, and trusting a bloke who's not even looked out the window, going five, right, easy, over jump, caution, integrate, <laughs> uh, puncture, we've just hit the tree, uh, need another car. You know. um, I think the guy in, the, or in our country on the left-hand side, which is on the right-hand side for the, the US market, uh, the co-driver, I think he is the most crazy human individual that's ever been born. Definitely got a death wish, but to know that Tony's done that sort of... I, I know Target Tasmania with my business partner on him is an absolutely horrendous... Uh, you know, drain on your emotional and physical being for the week that you're there. To know that you've succeeded in that, Tony, that's just, you know, awesome for me to know. And I'm sure all the the guys out on track now have a bit better understanding of why you're so bloody good in the V8, but, you know, controlling the slide. But uh, congratulations to you, mate. That's that's a fantastic story, and I'm I'm glad I asked you the question. Uh, I
3: appreciate that. So uh, after that... um I decided motorsport was really very, very expensive, and if, unless you have a lot of sponsors. It took you that long? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, so I started sim racing, and uh, I'll turn 64 this summer. I seem to be reasonably competitive uh, in this. So uh, I think uh, I mentioned it to uh, JC uh, the other day. Um, sim racing knows no age. So it doesn't know if you're ten years old or exactly what we discussed, JC, it? sixty That is yeah. sixty
0: three
3: or sixty four yeah. years of age like I am. Um, it doesn't know. And uh, I would encourage people at any age to get involved because it's it's something that you can do from the uh the comfort of your home. And believe me, it's a hell of a lot cheaper than real racing. Even If
1: you spend a lot of money on the gear, it's a lot cheaper than real racing, isn't it, Tony? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, and I uh, and I must say, that is the message that uh, you know, I hope that we can get out is that if people are like I was for a couple of years on the fringe, I was watching the V8s online races, the strength of field races, the Scops races via the YouTube, you know, just thinking, but when I make that commitment, I'm going to find out if I'm any good. You know how you have that sort of doubt. <laughs> um, and and like you, Tony, I mean, I was 41, so I'm probably a spring chicken compared to when you started, but you do worry, you know, that you're up against these 15, 16, 17-year-old guys who've got reflexes like cats, you know what I mean? They've got, Real uh, kart racing experience, a lot of them. They've got a, a lot of talent, a lot of natural ability, and you think, am I going to go out there and make an absolute sod of myself, you know what I mean? Um, for the people listening, you can be competitive. I mean, I started in my 40s. I think Johnny was close to 40 when he started, and Tony's just a legend of the sport. He, As he said earlier, he's 58, and he gives Johnny and I a good ass-kicking from time to time, don't you, Tony? So um, age, it doesn't know any age, and I think that's the key to this sport is that anybody at any age who's got any sort of ability or desire can get involved and, and be very very competitive at some level. There's always someone to race.
0: This is a really really good thing to to say. I'm I'm actually finding some confidence from hearing you say that too, because in our community in Australia with the SCOPS, the age is just getting slower and I mean lower and lower and lower. Last year we had a uh, Griffin Gardner win, win a race, didn't we at uh, Sebring? One right of Cooper the Cooper Webster is, as well. Sorry, Cooper, Me- Cooper Webster, Webster, Webster. Yeah, and they're like 15, 15 years just old, 10, 15. and the reflexes. Jackson Harlow, I mean uh, Harley Haber. There's so many of the young guys out there who are just phenomenally fast. And the older you get, um, sometimes you do notice. I've personally noticed reflexes just go off. You know, drop maybe the five percent or so. Like mine have dropped nothing. Mine have
1: dropped nothing. It's uh, actually my muscles that have they cramp up now, and they if I do an enduro, my knees start to hurt. I asked my missus to rub ointment on them. <laughs> <Without> <laughs> hope that things might progress, but they never do. But, yeah, uh, I, I'd say, Tony, you, that would probably be the only thing you'd notice, wouldn't it, is sometimes that you get a bit like, sore uh, if you do some really hard racing.
3: Yeah, it does take longer to recover, and I find some of the events, um, you know, at the end of it, uh, you know, you're physically drained. Uh, my wife laughs at me. Uh, I walk downstairs, and I'm absolutely soaked with sweat. And she said, "How how does that happen when you're sitting in a seat in your room on your simulator?" And I said, "You have you, you just don't have any idea, yeah, because I think a, a lot of it is physical, but a lot of it is uh, mental as well. And uh, you know, uh, when Johnny's on my ass pushing me for the last 15 laps of a of a race, um, that." Pressure you feel, and uh, so you know it's. Uh, I I, I see the, the everything guys like actually
1: but... clench my jaw tiny, and people on Discord hear me grunt. That's why I have to have push to talk because because I've got a direct drive, and I'm like, Argh! you know what I mean, <laughs> trying to get the car in. And and it is it is amazing how much physical exertion um, it takes for particularly for people in. More our age group, the younger guys tend to be able to do it and still have a lollipop and play play Fortnite while they're in the middle of the race.
2: I'm quite lucky with this. As I did quite a lot of kart racing and a lot of it was 24, 25-hour racing. I very rarely get a sweat on. Yeah, I'm 46 years old now. I very rarely get a sweat on in, uh, in iRacing. I don't have my body aching or anything. I think I'm very relaxed and I'm not fit. <laughs> i'm not fit <laughs> anymore i'm just a very relaxed posture i think and you know i've learned over the years to relax my hands on the straights i don't clench the wheel you you use you know on a straight line wiggle your fingers especially in a long endurance race i mean that's, that's i don't do it, either, <laughs> for anybody out there. do it yeah it will, i will. You know, that's great it will improve your driving and it will relax you you know that is relaxation great is key
0: so, guys, we've spoken, spoken a lot about the car and the brigade and how to drive it, and I think this is a really great show to to do this on. A lot of the guys we have on from our community over here, uh, you know, the, the willingness and the openness to talk about how to drive the car, it's almost like one of those things that, look, if you don't know how to drive, that's, that's your problem. You know, that's kind of sometimes <laughs> the um, mentality. But on the other side of the scale, on the extremity, there is – Place, there are places like VRS and uh, Pure Driving School. They used to be the one uh, with TTL, Driver Academy, that you were uh So did I, yep. yep. you, you, you and were And there's be- Pure Racing that, too. Yep. Yeah, Pure Racing. And those places are there to really help drivers. So um, I think that the audience listening to this particular show, whilst it is some of our guys over in Oz, New Zealand, there's hopefully some of the guys over in in Europe and your series are listening. Um, I'm really glad that we are talking about this stuff because there's not always a conversation that you can have someone like Jared Filsell come on and just tell you how to drive a V8 supercar. It just doesn't really happen that way. So this conversation is is really great and I'd like to do more of them, guys, if possible. That'd be fantastic to do another show sometime maybe mid-season for you guys and for us with Scops where we can kind of have a, a bit more a discussion yeah we should be we should and we'll see
1: how much Johnny's in front of me and scops we'll be able to see how he's going
2: <laughs> by how many hundred yes. points so much for me slipping in quietly and seeing how I got on eh? oh, mate yeah. I was yeah, making sure that sure happen wasn't happening Johnny yeah. <laughs> no way <laughs> you won't get the way of that
0: you're, you're, it's going <laughs> to be everybody. like the appearance of, um, from Jacques Villeneuve coming and doing um, Gold Coast Johnny we're going to have a massive hype train I hope you don't end up like him though yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, just for the, for the guys out there, JC, on that note, for the guys out there that are listening from perhaps not, not around the New South Wales or, you know, maybe Auckland or, you know, the eastern seaboard of Australia, um, you know, if you want to learn how to drive the V8, there's a couple of leagues that are absolutely brilliant for it and people do share information and people are willing to stop and help you learn how to overtake and how to hold your line when someone's lapping you, which is a very important thing to learn when you're new in the car. Uh, and that's the Wheelie Bins. Um, it's a series that runs every single day of the year, including Christmas and New Year's Day. We have no days off. I'm actually now one of the admins of it, but um, I don't do a lot of work. Shane Shane Evans and uh, Dan Coxon do all the work. But um, I started in Wheelie Bins. I'm pretty sure you did too, JC. And, um, you know, it's a sort of it's a sort of thing like, Tony, if you've got some new guys in the team uh, or maybe even someone like who's getting there now, like Ant Woodward, um, who can slot into And I don't know how 8 o'clock at night in Sydney works for... Canada and Europe, it's probably tough, but they also do weekends and um, I would say that and even the Euros, like Tony, whenever I've been in sessions with you and I've needed a bit of help with the setup, you've always always—you've always been more than happy to talk me through something or help me or have a look at mine. I think there are series out there that do promote shared learning and um, we shouldn't be too hard on the Australian guys. I mean, it's a—it's really a competitive intellectual property, which is why people don't want to initially give it up, but if you get into the right room, such as wheelie bins, um, there's not. I've never seen a session where nobody, somebody asks for help and they don't get it, and I think you'd agree with that, JC.
0: Yeah, sure, uh, absolutely. The wheelie bins is something that we don't touch on much on the podcast, but oh, uh, I'm not sure if you know, Jamie, but uh, Dan and Shane are going to come on in a couple of weeks. Oh, wow, if, that's if, fantastic. If, yeah. Those guys yeah, do so much work for the, the community
1: and get so little thanks. Um, I mean, the, the, the cost alone just to run those sessions every night of the year, and they would sometimes do multiple races a night, um, they you guys that just love racing. You know, they're not particularly uh, – You know, they've got no egos. They just love to help people and love to go. Shane's favourite saying is, I love to go fast, Jamie. I love racing you because I love to go fast. You know, he doesn't care whether he wins or comes second. A bit like Johnny said, he just loves a good race. But that is a room where, you know, Dane Warren, uh, Daniel Williams, uh, myself, JC Richards, Chris Cassie, all of us sort of kicked off our racing career in those rooms and willy bins. And I I would hate to think of the talent that's come out of that pool, excluding obviously you and I, JC, but um, the real talent like Dane Warren and his brother, Ethan. Yeah. Those guys yeah. probably wouldn't exist without the Willy bins. You know what I mean. And and even yep. lately, Jackson Harlow, he did a good year and a half in the Willy Willy wheelie bins before he did official V8, which is a very smart move.
2: I think I think it's just as important to learn to to be around other cars as it is to get fast in a particular car. You know, it's it's all right being able to lap the same pace as the fast guys, but if 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 you haven't got a clue about how to behave with cars around you. It's not going to do you any good how fast you are.
1: No, and in our rooms in the willy bins, they, they'll actually at the end of the race say, mate, next time, just if you just call me past, like say I'm ready, you know, and hold your line, you don't need to move out of the way, just hold your line. And it's good, a couple of weeks later, I'll see that same person holding their line, and then I'll start to trust them when I go past. And then six months later, they're passing me, which is always bad. But you know, th- those things are very key, what you say, um, Johnny, and especially awareness when you're going two and three wide about giving room. You know, you can't learn that watching someone. You have to be in a race. That's the only way to learn that stuff is in a race in real conditions.
2: Yeah, for me, for me, it's respect as well. Yeah, that's probably a big difference with sort of real-life racing and, and sim racing as well, for me anyway, which is probably why I'm going to struggle in anything too competitive. But, you know, for me, it's got to be clean, and that needs respect from everybody. You know, in real life, someone tries to go around the outside, you're fully entitled to hold your line and run them off. You know, no one's going to pass you on the outside if you can help it. And you're entitled to do so, but you, you can't be doing that in sim racing because it just ruins the the show and ruins the you know the, for want of a better word the game for everybody. But the scops guys have got it right by the look. Yeah, of I, the, hard, the really fast fair. guys
1: in scops know there's no drive. They know how to race. So They do have contact when you're going that hard and that fast, but it's never generally intentional. But I think what you say there is is true, Johnny. That you know, um, I know when I first met you, there was a level of time that I had to take to know what I couldn't couldn't do with you and Tony made it very clear with me early in the piece when I was racing with him that if I was faster, he I wouldn't have argue. he'd let me go. Do you know what I mean? But don't be running up his ass, or don't be pushing him and trying to turn him in the corners because that's just not how we do things. And I think that once you then, as I, I hope I did with you, after a few races with you that you learn that Jamie can learn and if I talk to him, he won't do that again and he'll give me a bit more room. That's how That, that can help you a lot in any series if people know that you're the sort of person that's willing to give a little as well. But if you're also known to be a person who gives nothing... And we'll always take the line and we'll always take the corner. What you tend to get is people who aren't interested in racing you. They just let you have it, which is no fun, right? Or you get people that refuse to race with you. Um, And I think we can all control a fair bit of our own destiny if we have the right attitude about how we drive and how we make moves. And I know that certainly I gained a lot of respect. uh, I gave you a lot of respect quickly, Johnny, and always Tony, because you guys showed me that respect probably when you didn't need to or in the piece when we started racing. And I found that really... You know, I wanted to reward you by being respectful back, and I think that's uh, you can control a lot of that destiny, don't you, Tony, when you're on track if you're known to be a fair racer?
3: I believe that's absolutely true, Jamie. And the other thing that I think that a lot of people have to learn, and I had to learn it myself, um, in order to, to become better and to become a better racer, uh, you have to finish races, and uh, crashing – uh in 50 or 60 percent of your races isn't going to help you at all so i i I learned that back in the america series you know maybe three years three years ago two and a half years ago uh i took a step back for a long time and i just qualified i uh i ran my race and i learned uh, what the racers around me were doing and who i could trust who i couldn't trust and at that point, uh, I started to find some speed. And I also found that uh, I started to be a bit more competitive because, you know, you, you do have that respect around uh, around other racers, like you were saying.
0: Guys, I really love the way that you, you're both articulating this particular uh, lesson, I guess. Um, I think that if there's any guys out there who are just learning, and I think this is a show for uh, guys maybe over in the Europe series or in our series that are still just just coming into their own and um, this is really, really good info and good insight into some of the mechanics and the thought process behind racing a good race. And Johnny, I just want to go back to what you just said a couple of minutes ago about making sure that the clean race in sim racing is really important to keep the show, the quality of the show going. Now, when we say the word show, um, it's not just what happens on track, but it's also broadcast as well and the guys at SimSpeed, jay and fonti so yeah i was just going to just ask what, what uh the broadcast situation with the the europe guys are um tony so apex racing because there's a there's a really big network now isn't there with iRacing esports network and sim is our kind of neck of the woods and you guys also have uh Extremely high quality broadcast. How's that going? And, and how's that looking for this season, guys? What's the uh, what's the plan and, and the vision moving forward as this particular esports t- continues to grow ever so rapidly?
1: Well, the Italian commentator is Johnny Brandon's number one fan in the world, so it's pretty easy for Johnny. Uh, his name is Marco. and He says Johnny Brandon in he's the league. Now
2: I'm in the Ford. I think he's more a fan of the Ford than me. Too, well, he's though, a fan of you, I think, but, mate. Yeah. But
1: uh, yeah, the other he's fella uh, doesn't mind taking <laughs> clues to me. I can I can say, and uh, they do uh, every bit. I mean, they work with Sim speed jacy don't they, tony and they are fully committed yeah
3: apex tv does uh, a wonderful job for us Uh, they've been broadcasting our our races for the past year and uh, we'll be broadcasting all our races this year uh, they're on saturdays uh 7 p.m gmt i believe it is uh about 1 p.m uh yeah, 1 p.m. in uh, in Canada, and Jamie, it's some ungodly hour there.
1: But <laughs> well, it's five, five a.m. in daylight saving time. Yeah, it's six. Sorry, in daylight saving four when it's not. Yeah, a.m. But I'm committed. I get up.
3: But we enjoy the broadcasts, and I think it's important, just like it is with the SCOP series, that uh, the broadcasters. Uh, are so knowledgeable about all the drivers and uh, are able to, to fill all the time. And hopefully they're filling it because there's good racing going on and not because there's some boneheaded crash happening. But, uh, you know, they uh, we're very pleased with uh, what Apex does uh, to, to support us. And certainly it's not cheap, uh You mentioned sponsorship a while back, and and Jamie's been kind enough to to help out our league a little bit. And, uh, you know, sponsorship for the series is important uh, uh, just to to pay the bills, so to speak, cover the costs. Yeah, it's not to make a profit.
0: Yeah, at the moment it is and is it, but uh, it is heading in a direction and, I mean, it just keeps popping up time and time again over the last uh, recent while where the uh, the eSport of iRacing and sim racing is at a point where it could potentially get a, a bit bigger and one of the biggest uh, r- things that needs to happen, like we spoke about Jamie on the last podcast, and, I mean, I think I I – say this all the time. It's always a topic I want to bring up with everyone. It's because behind the scenes, this is the topic. It just continues to roll round and round and round, which is the humanization of the esport. I know a lot of people may not be interested in, you know, it it going to a point where, oh, you know, the hype train, let's get it on on let you know, broadcast, get more exposure and all that kind of stuff. But guys, the reality is is that it is a, a very, very strong possibility and it's probable too with guys like yourself, Jamie, and the guys like broadcasters like Apex TV and SimSpeed it is very, very possible that this could be something a little bit bigger than what it is. And in saying all that, the humanisation means getting some of the driver's characters out, not just the cars you see on the screen. I'm wondering how you view, um, Tony, uh, the series over in Europe and Johnny, great to talk to you today about uh, and learn more about yourself. Have you got other drivers over there, guys, that uh, you reckon could... you know, um, you've got a bit of a personality and uh-huh. uh, maybe we could even promote over here on, on the show to, to get some of our Aussie guys listening to and watching your broadcast. Can you name a few or have you got some type of, um, event, uh, you know, incidents or things that have happened in, in past series that you can say there's some rivalry between some drivers or something like that? Well, there's Johnny and Tony.
1: Jamie and Chris Jackson, we've had our we've had our love
3: <laughs> Yeah, Chris Jackson, Victor Tanaka, yep. Johnny's teammate, uh, Nickel. Uh, you know, all fabulous drivers. And, uh, you know, there's there's this inter-team rivalry that happens and, uh, you know, I think that just naturally makes everybody much more competitive, right? the end <laughs> of the day, it's racing, yeah. you know. It's great racing. So who, who,
0: who are the big teams over there with your series? Have you got some standouts that are, uh, you know, you mentioned team rivalries. What, what are the big uh, clashed head-to-heads going over in the series? Well, the, at the XVR
1: moment? team is uh, it, top of the it, heap right known, now. They're known as the uh, TTL of,
0: of Canada. The te- oh, well, yeah, this this year, let's get on to that in a second. This podcast is going pretty pretty long, but I'm more than happy to, to go as long as you guys are. But I'd love to talk a little bit about that, about the 2019 series for both the Scops and the Euros. But so XVR, they happen to be the the top of the pile. Uh, we've just seen this year in Australia.
1: <laughs> Johnny, stop <Sorry>? the
0: pile. <laughs> oh, okay, so it's just Johnny. But um, as a team, XVR just, you, are very strong. No, no, it's,
2: it's myself and Nickel, Nickel Foggy. Who's, to, who's fantastic in the car. He's he's absolutely yeah, he's rapid in everything he drives. And he's, yeah. he's literally new to the car in the last sort of six months. He's a real
1: bastard, isn't he? <laughs> he he's
2: rapid. And he will get yeah. faster and faster. And then you've got NQR, um, which is Tony's team. And I think there's about three different variations of that. So there's quite a lot of NQR cars on the grid. So they're the two main teams. You've got Phantom 71, which are a good team. Uh, you have to help me out here, Tony some other teams from the series Uh,
3: Demon Tweaks team
1: and uh... Uh, I think they're all pretty strong teams over there I was so shocked I thought I'd go over to the Euros to be honest with you and I'll I'll show these blokes how to drive the V8 Supercar I knew Tony was there and I might have a problem with him but I didn't know of of Johnny at the time and I remember my first race I got fifth and I was devastated and by the third race I got fourth and I was elated because I realised that you know what, Jamie? Force about as good as you're going to get here, mate. That's that's a good day, you know? But the fifth in the first race, I was like, bloody hell, I thought I was going to win that, you know what I mean? They are good. And if they raced in our series, as you'll see with Johnny Nichol this year, and if Tony did scops, yeah, he'd be right up there. So these guys have got a lot of talent, and their teams have got a lot of talent. I just, if they're listening, I want more of you to do the series. Come and, come and drive with us.
0: Just also, the... The the run you're going to make, Johnny, with your teammate in Scops, can you just tell us a little bit more about that? I heard that you're going to be running in tandem with uh, Evolution Racing Team. What's going on there?
2: Um, well, we're, we're going to be doing Scops partner we off. Are, yeah, we're going partner off. So you bring XVR over? We're coming the, as XVR. Team? Yeah, we're coming as XVR. Yes, lovely. But the car excited. will be built I can't by ERT. Be more excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and prepared by <laughs> ERT. So if anything goes wrong, yeah, that's it's it. ERT's fault. <laughs> Uh, like I said, ERT guys, Brent and Jamie, all the guys at ERT, and I mean all of them, they've, they've been yeah, great top for us, you know, really really welcoming, and they're the reason that we're doing the Scops or going to have a go at doing the Scops and try and qualify and, and get in there. They've introduced us to it, and uh, it's a real eye-opener. And I can't wait, and um, just thanks to those guys, really, because I wouldn't have even known about it. Um, I'm not, not the sort of guy that does a lot of research on what's out there, But you see,
1: see, Johnny, I knew and Brent knew that if we got someone like you and Nicole involved in Scops, that all of a sudden a lot more of your English and Scottish and Irish and European friends would know about it because i will be like, what's this they're in? (laughs) I
0: I hope this does happen, guys, that we are in a bubble um, in in our community where it's very much an inside a particular circle, the community, and um, we are not better than anyone, but we're do have this culture where v8 supercars is like a religion over here and specifically on iRacing, it is just it's the like english only thing that you'll get yeah. Yes, English football, uh, Canadian ice hockey. Like I was saying before, sorry to bring that that um, reference up all the time, Tony. Tony's forty days of, uh, in Canada. That's why. Tony <laughs> <Charlie laughs> well, just talking about rallying, uh, <laughs> rallying too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the the supercar for us is it is it's not um, by accident that you get drivers like Phil Sells and Madison Down and stuff like that who literally grew up on you know supercar driving, and to know that um, you guys can maybe check out some of the races and even Johnny come over and race in the series Is just tops mate I I love that let me tell you Johnny's
1: going to give some people a few headaches I'll guarantee it he's going to be
0: up there (laughs) awesome how good Johnny the hype is going so high now mate
2: it's ridiculous aren't you glad you know Jamie (laughs) and Tony I
0: would love you to come and do a few Scops
3: races too I really would yeah I did a few uh, two years ago uh, Jamie yeah, it was, uh, but getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning at my age, I don't know. Well, the secret <laughs> is staying up. That's
1: what I do. I don't go to bed. I go to bed at 6 a.m. when the race is finished. <laughs> Lots of coffee. But, um, yeah, no, it, 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 it really interests us to get as many as the, you know, Canadian, U.S. and, you know, global community involved in what we do because I think what JC said is true in, in the past, but I've all seen a big shift, particularly in the management of the teams recently and, and you know, the... the coming together of the the senior groups to really want to get our heads out of the sand and, and really promote and share and get others involved. Wouldn't you say, JC, there's been a big shift culturally that way. And, uh, you know, having having you guys come on our show today and, and making the time available for us, um, can't thank you enough and uh, respect and admire both of you guys, as you know, in all sincerity. And uh, hopefully um, you guys can drag a few more guys along, even to things like the Willy bins or the... You know, the official V8 races and and get involved with this. And I can give you my personal commitment that any of your guys that, you know, come over and want some advice, just like Tony gave me when I started, I'd be more than happy if they wanted to, you know, jump into a team chat or something and and talk about the car. I'm more than happy to give them my experience. Not that it's very useful, I'm not that good. But um, I could always ask Johnny the questions I don't know the answers to. And, um, you know, we really want to welcome the worldwide community into the V8s and we want to make it as strong as we can because the best races are when you've got the best people racing with you. Doesn't matter if I come 39th in the top splitter scops, I'm I'm more than happy with that if I've had a good battle, and I think we we mentioned that earlier, Johnny. That that's what it's about, and the more that we can get 100%. in, the better. The more that we can get in, the better. The guys like you and Nicole, and there's plenty of other guys like Chris Jackson and
3: Tony. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there, Jamie. One of the things that uh, I'd like to say is that uh, you know this podcast that that you have you know, I think is an excellent vehicle uh, to get the word out there that. You know, there's uh, – it's a big community and it's a worldwide community. It's not, you know, just Australia. There are people, you know, in North America and, and Europe that really want to try and drive this car. And uh, this podcast is going to go a long way, I think, to uh, to helping those uh, those people make the jump.
0: Thanks, Tony. That that definitely is the goal and the vision we have. We just continue to do week by week, uh, uh, you know, just talking to as many people as we can. And, and uh, like Jamie said, uh, it is – Something where the culture is changing now, and to get uh, some crossover with you guys is just one of those um, those rungs in the ladder of, of getting this uh, this series and i racing and sim racing more exposed. What I might do in saying that is uh, I might organise maybe a couple of practice sessions where we can link up at particular times. Um, That's the hard part. That the might times. be. <laughs> It is. I know we had to organise this. I had to bloody get out of bed and set an alarm. Yeah, he was out of bed by 9
2: o'clock. I mean, that never happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even sure what time the Scops races start for me yet. Johnny, remember those. when I lied to you last time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> what's scaring me, Jamie. <laughs> you don't want to know.
1: You don't want to know. Just,
2: just turn up when I'll read. <laughs> Ask me to do the endurance. He said, oh, it starts at 8 o'clock in the morning, your time. Yeah, for what I was one of them started at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. but no, I really appreciated
1: it, Johnny. You've got to know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so did I, Jamie. So did I. Yeah.
0: Well, XVR yeah, and, and Johnny, you're going you to you're gonna have to make it to, to the race. It is a long broadcast. We split two as as well. But the pre-qualies, they're on and around. Uh, don't, what, shh, six
2: shh, don't tell <laughs> him. That's the difficult thing for us, the, the, the pre-quality stuff, because that's on your yeah, sort of. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, you get Saturday as
1: well, though. Yeah, yeah. So
2: yes, I'll yes. only get into the Saturday one. Uh, that sort of helps me a bit. That, but that's yeah. that well, what we've heard, <laughs> Johnny,
1: from,
0: from, from Jamie's hype. You're, you're, you're only going to need one lap, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, he only needs five, five laps, mate. Pole. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah,
2: yeah five yeah, laps yeah, and basically he's fine. Oh, my God. That's Yeah, Exactly.
0: ERT, Phil Cell, et Look out. Johnny Brandon is coming to town.
2: Look out might be the right word, yeah, as <laughs> they come in past. Lapidus. But. No, go easy
1: on us, guys. Go easy on us. Can I ask one more question of both of them? I'll start with Absolutely. you, Johnny. Get the glass ball out. Where do you see esports and particularly this our sport, in 10 years' time?
2: It's a hard question for me. I, I don't really look into the eSports stuff. I think it's, it's going to get bigger and bigger. I mean, just quickly, I was going to mention this earlier, but I've got some friends that are quite well connected that I used to do some racing with, and one of them does a lot of commentary for Eurosport, and he's, 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 he talks to a lot of people. And he genuinely thinks now, you know, you've got all these youngsters coming in that may want to aspire to be racing drivers. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you take like F1 out of the equation, there's actually more money to be made now for the top five, 10% of sim racers than there is in real racing. It's
1: a fact already. And and, and in my Mm. opinion, that's going to get bigger and bigger. That end.
2: Yes. And it's it's still theoretically underground and not, Common knowledge, but there's already more money to be made as a successful sim racer than there is as a real racing driver. So you know, and it's and all and from what he's telling me, all the teams are waking up to it now. All the real life racers, you know, not looking to sign particularly uh, uh, sim racers, but looking to get involved with sim racing because it's a platform that's going to get bigger and bigger. Whether it's a, a road to real driving and getting a real drive is another debate. But it's definitely going to get their attention and get their investment in the very near future. By the South, we have
1: the Australian uh, Driver Search happening. With uh, one of my teammates actually won it last year, Ethan Greg Galt. He got a fifty thousand dollars race support budget to go racing this year. Um, we have a number of uh, Don't We JC um, series that we give people the opportunity to get into a real race car and drive for a season. Um, yes, uh, Jake yeah, Burton did it last year was one of so them. So we actually Dave are Warren promoting that. It's only the one or two at the top that get the opportunity, but it still mm-hmm. gives you that chance. But I, but I was saying in my podcast last week that I think that maybe real racing might become less relevant as time goes on because everybody can do this and it's not that expensive to do it and you don't have to leave home.
2: There's definitely an argument for Yeah, and, that. and, and yeah. it's a very marketable you know. product and personally the reason I'm on board. I've got to be honest, I'd rather watch a V8 Scops race than a Formula E race. Mm, than me too, know, mate. Me too. Pain, that's the point.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's the point. <laughs> and yeah. I'd rather watch your Euro V8 race too. You know, they're really, really interesting. Well, I can't wait to check those out. Now,
3: um, Esports, I think, is going to grow, and uh, you know, just evidence of that was today. iRacing in the NASCAR series held a draft to pick drivers for their uh, upcoming NASCAR series. So, and you have teams like Joe Gibbs Racing, Junior Motorsports, Roush Racing, picking and probably paying drivers. Uh, to compete for them, uh, you know, in the iRacing Championship. And uh, it's not chump change that they're racing for either, you know, with a $100,000 prize fund as well. So it's, uh, I see it happening um, in the investment community that I'm involved in. It was interesting, Jamie, that uh, the conversation this week on their podcast was eSports – and how do well, I make money off of it? That's a, that's a similar conversation. To what so, I've been having. <laughs> and these are people that, uh, yeah. And these are people that have got a significant stash of money that that's what can need. make things happen. And they're exploring esports because they believe that's where it's going to be down the road. I'm trying to be the first brave one to throw some real
1: money in and say, "Come with me." You know, that's what I'm trying to do because I'm sure that it's going to pay off. I'm absolutely positive that in ten years' time we will look back. At this period and say well they were the last of the old days you know what i mean when it was sort of amateur you know it's going to get to a point where we'll still always have it people like me and you know JC running around um causing you know problems for the fast guys but you know at the end of the day we're going to have some superstars come out of this sport and they're going to be maybe as well known as anybody
3: yeah, yeah that's my take there, on it and i want to
1: be on board when it yep. goes and bang that's what i'm
3: here for and the broadcasts you know the broadcasts are exceptional you know, whether it's Scops or, or any of the other uh, Australian series I've been able to to watch, uh, you know, the uh, the strength of field splits on, on yep. Mondays for you guys, uh, or whether it's the Euro V8 series, I think the broadcasts are, are really oh, elevating the sport, and it's attracting
1: and people to the sport. Finally, gets taken by a, a you know a big media organization and put into the mainstream viewing. That'll be the day. That everything changes that, and that's what I'm trying to make happen personally yep once that moves to from the the YouTube media platform to the ex, the additional national and international media platforms the day someone makes that happen that's the day everything changes in my opinion
0: it will happen guys and one of the things yep. like I've I just keep coming back to it over and over again if I was one of those people and I've know people like that we have some in our community Jamie people who work in television we sure do um, particularly if I was one of those people, the only catch is, is who are the stars in your series and what are they like and how do we get their faces out there to pe- to get the viewers and the audience yep. interested in following the person, not the car. That is really the key. Um, and as much as someone doesn't want to stick their face on a, on a photograph and st- send it into to the guys at Sims Food or whatever, like it does seem a little bit odd or a bit far-fetched. But, guys, that is the way forward. And uh, knowing that we can talk to guys like you now, um, Tony, Johnny. Johnny, by the way, another uh, shout-out to the next V8 Supercar Online Premier Series champion, Johnny Brandon, 2019. No hype intended, but he's come to basically wipe the floor with everyone out there, guys. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Might have got him here, Tony.
1: <laughs> <Checkmate. laughs>
0: uh,
3: well, every eye in Australia is going to be on him at Scarps now. You know that.
2: Uh, cheers, guys. <laughs> yep, that's fine. I really appreciate the, the encouragement. Thank you very much.
0: No You're pressure. No pressure. Just say, look, so what we might do, <laughs> I might wrap this up, and I'm going to get some links for... There's two audiences here. The guys over in Europe, um, Tony, I might put some links up on the show. And if you share it out, we'll get some links to specifically Wheelie Bins, which Shane and Dan and Jamie run over there. And it's a great place if you guys can make time to come on. Every single night, they run a race. And it's a really good place to, to run car to car. And it's
1: quality. Yeah. You, you got your beginners, but you got your quality too.
0: Yeah. And, and then we can – link up some other um, info as well about scops too and the broadcast and maybe I'll get a time frame chart up as well so we can interlink some, some uh, and links for the Euro VA races too in reverse that's yeah. the other way vice versa I'll definitely get some links to the Euro um, stuff too I'll talk to you in a, in a second Tony and, and get all those links um, well thank you very much sure. gentlemen for, for joining and I hope that this message gets out there and it was a fun podcast it was, it was really nice to have you guys yeah, on yeah it was
1: a privilege to have you on the, on the show guys thank you for making the time really appreciate it personally
2: absolute pleasure thanks for having us
0: but again thanks and Jamie thanks thanks so much for helping host today thanks for having me, JC no problems all right and we'll check Get you later guys check you next week.